Welcome, everybody, to the Mental Health Hour. Welcome to episode 85. Tonight is all about co-occurring disorders. Mm -hmm. Um, Good evening to Mr. Med, Ray, Michael Joseph Murray, Uncle Rick, and everybody trickling in. It's good to see you all. Uh, Welcome again. And let's get into the content. Uh, Gemma, what's going on? Uh, Still getting used to the 10 p.m. thing, but we'll be back to 11 next week. So we change our clocks at the weekend. Um, So apologies in advance if I get any visitors in the room. I'm hoping I don't, but... Trying to get him to bed for 11 is hard enough. 10. Mm. 10. We'll roll with it. We'll roll with it. <laughs> so you do go, your clocks go forward. This weekend, yeah. This weekend. Yeah. So back to normal next week. Yeah. Hello, EG Lions. And hello, Craig. All right. Uh, so co-occurring disorders. This is obviously uh I don't know, was this a viewer request? I think so, yeah. It was in the list, so yeah, it was probably one. Um we, we sprinkle those in as well. Um so if if you haven't been to the bio link, uh, we only promote it all the time bio.link slash tmhh you can submit viewer requested shows um it does tend to work better than texting me because i always forget (laughs) Um, yeah uh but that being said um co-occurring disorders Mm -hmm. this is uh pretty i guess close to home for me um the, the, the long and short of it that is, I mean, it, there's a big realm of, you know, what it could fall, what, what constitutes it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the main, I guess, meat and potatoes of where it came about was having a diagnosed mental situation, illness, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then on top of that, adding in the substance abuse disorder um, and putting those two hand in hand, uh, you know, generally doesn't mesh. Um, a substance use disorder on its own is plenty. Uh, but to add in the uh, mental health aspect of things just makes it scarier because now while you have this substance use disorder, whether it be genetic or, you know, usually that's what it is. Uh, addiction is a hereditary, um, well, at least alcoholism is hereditary. Mm-hmm. Um, now you've got mental health on top of it, um, and you're using that to mask your mental health issues. Um, like myself, we'll go with. Uh, the depression that seems to be my overwhelming problem as far as my diagnoses go. Um, 
anxiety is no drop in the bucket, but it's the depression that really fucking gets you, uh, or at least me. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody can kind of tell when I'm not myself uh, or yeah. something's going on. I know, Gemma, you've spoke to it before. You can tell when there's something up with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think you get to know the person and then know when there's a difference. Like, even if you don't say, you can just tell. Yeah, I mean, we do this show every week. We talk on the phone. We mm-hmm. got the planning that goes into it. Uh, yeah. There's, uh, there's quite a bit of time spent. So you get to know somebody. Oh, yeah. You get to know their personality. And you can, mm-hmm. in turn, get to know when something's a bit off. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, I don't really recognize when things are off. Um, it's not, uh, I don't know how to properly describe it. It's not like I'm blind to it. I know when I don't feel, uh, you know, my normal self, I can tell when things are weighing, um, cause that's what mm-hmm. my depression feels like. It feels like, uh, something, you know, like there's just the weight of an elephant sitting on my shoulders yeah dragging me into the or or drilling me into the ground yeah i got that um it's it's, like you feel it yourself but you don't know that you're acting differently so you feel different inside but you don't feel you're acting differently in any other way yeah Mm -hmm. It, it i don't know if i try and work through it on my own, which I tend to do. That's kind of my go-to thing is that I, yeah. I you know, I, I don't need help, I, even though I've been down this path and I know that I can't do this shit on my own. Um, and I work a program that is surrounded by help. Um, mm-hmm. I still kind of want to feel like I can do some of it myself, if that makes sense. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about as you have oh, yeah. uh, your diagnosis as well. Just the same. Like, I, like, I've noticed with you, you tend to be a lot more quiet. Like, you don't chat as much as you usually do. You're not as responsive to messages and things. And I'm just the same because you've got all this weight weighing down on you and it takes away so much energy from you that even sometimes feeling like just sending a reply on a message is just exhausting. And, like, I know myself that I feel like if I'm I'm replying to someone, it's going to be kind of half-assed, and they're going to know about it then, that I'm not myself, so I just don't reply. Jim in Chicagoland in the house, thanks for the 15 months. Um, it is a pleasure, as always, to have the host of Catalyst on Wednesday nights here on Twitch mm. uh, joining us uh, for another episode. And uh, we'll get into Catalyst a little later on in the show, as we always do. Um, Michael Joseph Murray says, good subject. I know my addiction to drinking was self-medicating, but there's lots of other things going on mentally connected with uh, to domestic violence, was going through 
during my marriage. Mm. Um, so things like that, uh, domestic violence and what have you, play a role uh, into all of our mental health. Um, it certainly takes um, away from happiness. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, with a diagnosis of depression or hitting somewhere on the depression scale, I'm just using depression right now because that's what I'm most familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, of course, it was my first thought to turn to my good friend, The Bottle, um, which was already a problem in and of itself, but now we're intermingling the two, bringing on the co-occurring disorders, mm -hmm. uh, which is exactly what we are discussing this evening. Um, so mixing the two of those together certainly uh, adds to the, the, um, the magnitude of how much I was drinking. It adds to the magnitude of the depression I felt um, because those two things together are working against each other. Uh, if I, ha I mean, I've said it on, on the show before, but um, my drinking, like I didn't realize <clears throat> until sobriety, excuse me, <clears throat> until sobriety, that my drinking was depressing me further because in sobriety, I can feel the difference of my mood. Uh, I, I still get depressed. That's something that I'll have for the rest of my life. Um, but the, the drinking was, was making it so horrible or, or so much more intense uh, and I didn't realize that uh, alcohol is a depressant uh, more than just the sense of it depressing your bodily systems, your functions and all that. It depresses you mentally as well. And it drilled me into the ground just like depression does. And um, I, like I said, I didn't realize that fully until I was sober for a little while and I could feel a complete difference in how I woke up in the morning. I never really got a hangover when I was drinking, but I woke up feeling just as depressed, if not more than the day before. Mm -hmm. um, Gemma, have you tied in? I mean, and it doesn't, I guess it doesn't just have to be alcohol but you can speak on alcohol if you want. Have you tied that in with trying to mask or? Um, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I used to actually take overdoses to uh, get through it, like pain relief, but a lot too many painkillers, thinking it would help. I did used to, like, not to the point where it was an alcohol problem, but I did used to drink a lot more than I would have liked at one point. It never became a problem, 
but the intention was to get drunk enough to just pass out to uh, go to sleep because I wasn't sleeping very well. And that was my intention because I'd go through the stages of getting stupid with alcohol and then just crash out for hours. But also the problems with food and I found that it made that worse as well with my depression. I would eat and I would binge eat junk food and then make myself sick. And that would get a lot worse as well with as the depression increased when my uh, bulimia and anorexia were in full swing. That would certainly um, kick in and then the self-harming. It was like at, at my worst time, I was literally doing everything um, in one go just to try and keep going and push the depression as far out of my head as I could but it was actually making it worse because you'd have the peaks and troughs but then when you came down from it you would come way down from it it comes kind of full circle and, yeah crashing down it, it so, does. Yeah. It's a, a vicious loop Oh, yeah. Of, of and then depression. you're back to square one and then starting to try and self-medicate again and just getting out of it. Um, another thing that uh, is a very common nowadays, a very common um, mental health issue that plays into co-occurring disorders is uh, ADHD. Uh, mm -hmm. This is another thing that I struggle with. Uh, not a not a lot I knew about uh, in the beginning uh, when I was first getting the help I needed. I had to learn uh, not only about depression and why I was depressed and what the hell was going on, but also this thing called ADHD, which I've always known I've had. I've been diagnosed with it forever, mm -hmm. but I have never really realized what it does uh, to your inside um, mm. or what you try and do to maybe subconsciously try and do to make up for this issue. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of folks uh, with ADHD are substance or are, are also using substance um, to try and help them help themselves if that makes sense. Um, it's not it's not exactly masking like it is for depression, but it's mm -hmm. trying to, as I always said, and maybe um, my depression was not the thing to lead off with here. Maybe it is the ADHD because I've always said that I, I, I drank to feel normal. Yeah. And that's more leaning ADHD. Um, I, uh, my brain was, is always fuzzy, and when I was drinking, I could unfrazzle it. I could unfuzz it. I felt mm -hmm. like I was thinking clearly. I felt like I was focused. I felt like I was getting things done. I felt organized. I felt yeah. into shit, like going to the store or doing laundry or just simple tasks. I was more into it. I was more productive um, when I was drinking, and I, you know. I talk about my drinking on here a lot. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know how many times I've said the root of it like this. And I did not, I was not a blackout drinker. 
I was not a get drunk drinker. I was a start early, reach a optimal level of clarity for me, and then maintain that shit all day long. Mm -hmm. So I, I 100% was self-medicating and it was probably a hundred percent. Well, it wasn't a hundred percent, but it was a lot to do with this ADHD. So you were doing that to be able to function then really? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it felt normal. Mm -hmm. So now we take this away. Now I've destroyed my pancreas and I've that. Uh, my liver and all that was in the trash. Um, but I literally can't drink anymore. My pancreas can't do it anymore. If I want to live a full life, I need my pancreas. And it's called it time to quit. Um, so now I take this away because I do want to live. I do want to be here. Mm -hmm. um, and have you found like alternatives, obviously, because you can't have the alcohol for managing with it's like the ADHD, of, uh, it's a lot of trial and error things. Uh, I mean, I know I I'm not diagnosed with it, but I certainly I know when we've discussed it and stuff, I recognize a lot of traits. Like then every single day, I will start a million tasks and complete nothing because I'll go and do something, and then I'll be like, "Ooh, I haven't done that." And then I'll move on and move on and move on. It is and not hard, um, at least here in the States. Um, I can't speak for healthcare in the UK. Mm -hmm. But it is not hard at all to get a diagnosis of ADHD. Oh, it's impossible here. Like, seriously. I'm, I'm going through it all with Thomas at the moment. And it is just ridiculously insane. It's um, extremely difficult to get treatment for it um, mm -hmm. all of our ADHD medications are on a national shortage right now oh probably from the rising popularity of them and them being a controlled dangerous substance etc et um, I mean Adderall has always been the college uh goer's best friend for late night study sessions and whatnot but um the, it is getting more and more there are more and more diagnoses coming out with um you're, you're increasing that pool of folks that need to draw from this medication mm -hmm. and so we're in a national shortage <coughs> um certainly there's financial stuff that go into that, the highest bidder. Um, and there's also COVID has effed. We're still feeling the uh, effects of that rippling through the I medical field. I think it's going to be a long time before we <coughs> so fully get over that. It's if not just folks getting prescriptions that has caused this national shortage. There's a lot more to it. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. God damn, I don't know what's wrong with my throat tonight. But, um, so there, there's ADHD medications and they help that they, they do a world of good for me. I myself am on Adderall. Um, and it does kind of do the same thing 
that drinking did for me. Mm-hmm. And, and that is to unscramble the scrambled web that is my brain. Mm. Uh, I get things done. I feel more clear. I feel more productive. I get more into tasks that need to be done because when I'm not into it, I just, that's when, you know, that's when you see the depression side of things. Uh, shit doesn't get done. Um, shit piles up. Mm. Um, I'm not into it. So I just would rather sit on the couch or whatever. Motivation. No motivation. Right. Motivation. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, I mean, that that's, and that's the long and short of it for uh, myself. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of folks here that watch the show, listen to the show, um, you write in your questions, which, by the way, let's take a second to go over the fact that we have our yeah. live Q&A coming back. Um, we need to. Popular um, Wednesday, April 5th, that's coming up soon. So get your questions in. I know we've had some questions uh, trickling in. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not yet looked at them. I like to be surprised. I like to answer. Gemma kind well, of screens. I've literally just checked before I came on. Gemma does the screening process and stuff. I like to wing it. That's why I like these shows, the live Q&As, because she'll read the question. And uh, I've heard some of them, most of them beforehand, like we'll talk about it the the day before the show. But for the most part, uh, it's the first time I'm processing and and talking about it on the show is, is the live show. So I like to keep it kind of authentic like that. Um, I think it gives it a more authentic and from the heart response rather than a rehearsed scripted like reply. Yeah, I check them to make sure they're coming in to make sure that we have everything. If by any chance there was one that comes in and we don't have as much knowledge, then yeah, I will go and get that information ready. But I'm the only one that see them prior to going live that day and obviously i take out any names i degender them so that it's not aimed at any one person and just things like that but i regularly check all the um forms and things because we've had quite a few more uh, show requests and things and actually adhd and autism was one of them that came through yesterday oh good so, i mean I, these request. are things that uh, especially the ones that come through that I can relate to, which mm-hmm. I mean, in the past, there's been a good portion of them. Now we do get some that I lean more hev- heavily on Gemma for, or we both have to, we're, we're <laughs> we both yeah. have to look up some, uh, some information ahead of time to, to get, to make sure we're not putting incorrect information out there. Yeah, Uh, it's a learning process for everyone. And I think that's why this works well, because we're not professionals. We are just speaking from the heart when it comes to this and our own experiences, which I think makes it more authentic, because I would much rather speak to somebody who has been there, done that, lived that life and been through it, come out of it the other side than someone who is trained there to sit there and give a script like 
I really would. Um, and you and you do see it um, live here on the show too. Like mm-hmm. just right now, when I prepared for this show tonight, uh, I was the whole time I was thinking about my depression and my substance use disorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then light bulb moment during the show right here, uh, I'm thinking ADHD is more the culprit of of my co-occurring disorders um if i had to rank them as far as why i would abuse alcohol uh, i think the adhd takes far more uh, of a front row seat than the depression the depression definitely played a role i don't want to downplay that um drinking does what makes us happier um but does it really? Mm-hmm. In the moment, yes. You feel good. You feel happy. Um, you feel like you can conquer the world. Mm. Uh, the next day. Do you uh, think that your ADHD made you more depressed? And then do you think like when you, I mean, I don't know what age you were when you got the diagnosis, but I'm assuming that you were aware of these things before like you had the diagnosis and then when you got the diagnosis like did it did it seem to just like click like oh uh, now it makes sense kind of thing when I, got the diagnosis, when I got it i was young okay i was a kid um there was no there was never really a moment where i felt you know hold on a second this is something that i really need to look into mm-hmm. further um I just thought it was a part of life, like everyday life. <coughs> I knew <coughs> um, depression, I, uh, that rings enough alarm bells that uh, I either wanted to sweep it under the rug or not pay attention to it. I knew that was bad. ADHD, I didn't know that was, I didn't know it could cause this much trouble. I thought it was just a like a learning disability, like a hey, yeah. you, can't, you can't concentrate real well in math class. That's all I thought it was. I didn't know mm-hmm. the actual implications and what um, what it brings inside of you because it does kind of get when you're not progressing as fast as others, or and same with folks that have like dyslexia or, or things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you feel you get frustrated and I mean, yeah. that turn plays into all of the um, depression, anxiety. Um. Oh yeah. Like with my, I was diagnosed with dyslexia when I was in college, resetting my exams to go into doing teaching. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. I just, people put me down to being basically an idiot and I couldn't retain what I was reading. Like I was like, what was going on? And then when they finally listened to me, I would have been, I had to be in like 21, 22, maybe. And um, when they finally diagnosed it and things, it was like, oh, shit, I'm not sick, actually. Like, there's something this is, this is the real. And um, once they gave me ways around it, and then I worked harder still on a personal level to overcome it, it was. Yeah, and I think some of that weight was lifted off 
because it's like, okay, this isn't me. This is a real thing. Man. And the um, hyperactivity, the H in ADHD, for those that aren't aware, is hyperactivity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's well. fucking exhausting. Um, yeah. And I, that, I, that, I probably have the biggest case of H um, <laughs> known to man. Uh, I, I don't even need the AD and the other D. I've got the H. Like, I can't. If you know me, uh, I don't. If Betty's still in here, I know she could probably speak to this, but um, I can't sit the, it still at all. Um, it's, it's just completely uncomfortable. You watch me during the show and you'll see me go back and forth and this way and that way and touching my face and doing this and bouncing my legs and, you know, playing drums on the desk. It's ridiculous how much my body always has to be in motion in some yeah. way, shape, or form. Your legs are a good one. Like always, you can't. It's going right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because for some reason, that is a position of comfort for me. Sitting mm-hmm. absolutely still makes me feel uncomfortable and not like it's not right. It, I have to be moving in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the hyperactivity coming in. Uh, and it makes it difficult to concentrate. But then again, on the other side of the coin, I concentrate better when I'm shaking my leg. If yeah. I'm not shaking my leg, all I'm thinking about is how uncomfortable this is. Like if mm-hmm. you have to, if you have to, if you're forced to try and sit with some sort of decorum, a funeral or church or whatever the hell, you know, you, you're supposed to sit there. You can't just be flailing your arms around like a man. Yeah. Uh, all I want to do is jump out of my body and yeah. just scream. Well, you're concentrating so hard on being still that you're not actually concentrating on what you're meant to be concentrating on. I think Thomas is like that. I've got him those fidgets because you yeah, just constantly got to be doing something. But trying <coughs> to get him any kind of diagnosis, like I feel like I've got more chance of winning the bloody lottery than I have getting him anything right now. But it is ridiculously difficult here which is why I think a lot of adults have slipped through the net. And I think there's something there with myself, but I was never diagnosed as having anything, but I don't know. Um, I like, I often think when we were talking about it last time, like it was funny because I had, um, I had these phrases that I would use to refer to things that I do. Like, um when you go and get something and your mind's focusing and like I would say I'd had a snaccident because you go and get something and then you're just having like loads of it and stuff and like um when you're trying to get stuff done and then I haven't done anything and then it's I've not achieved anything and then say somebody's like coming round or something and I don't do tidy up, it's hidey up, shove it in a bag, stick it behind a door Hide somewhere. Up, yeah. Hidey up. Yeah. That's about you know, a lot of us do that. So I, I wouldn't get too yeah. down on yourself. It's there's it's when the door starts bursting open though, and you're like there's a difference to, between uh, actually cleaning and tidying up. 
Yeah, tidying up you. is tidying up. Okay, mom's yeah, yeah, coming yeah. over. Uh, we got to get this place looking spick and span. Shit goes into closets. I don't think there's a diagnosable issue there. Oh, I yeah, think yeah. everybody in this room, room is guilty of it. <laughs> Pick up uh, the floor. We don't want to throw shit out just because mom's coming over. Like, they're. Oh, I don't do it for my mom. <laughs> I. Well, I'm just I'm throwing an example out there. Um, but like I've got stuff right here in front of me that I can see that normally isn't sitting there. Like I have my spiral notebook up here that I write notes down on for the day, mm -hmm. things that I need to get done um, or just it's scratch paper. Normally mm -hmm. I keep that in my drawer here, but it's out. Um, obviously, I'm not going to throw that out because somebody's coming over to visit. Yeah. But does it wind up in the drawer where it's supposed to be? No. Not always. It usually sometimes when you're just doing it quick, it goes into a basket, up the stairs it goes. We'll deal with it later. Out of sight, out of mind, Heidi up. Yep. As long as we're good on the first floor here, I don't think she's going to go up to our upstairs bathroom and investigate. I know he's got a spiral notebook around here somewhere. <laughs> I found it's been beneficial, actually, because uh, my like I have a very difficult relationship with my family and I found out it's only taken me 39 years to realize that if I don't tidy up my mom don't come in the house so that's a win-win <laughs> now I'm when it comes to down to it Craig um yes there is time for cleaning um and that does involve throwing junk out um you have to get rid of some things every now and again otherwise your life is just going to be a storage locker um you know but as far as just the quick cleanup it's not time to sit and go through what what's goodwill stuff um i say goodwill i don't know that you even know what that is Gemma. um we have goodwill here which is like salvation army or oh charity shops yeah yeah, so yeah. we can give away for 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 uh, charity yeah. or yeah, yeah. You, you know, you make a pile for donation. You make a pile for trash, and then your mm -hmm. key pile or what have you. But but whatever happens, um, whatever happens down the road for uh, the tidying up thing. It always comes back to okay. We need to sit down and go through some things because it's starting to get too full, and that uh, is kind of a great segue to uh, how that affects the depression and the ADHD for just the mm -hmm. two we've been discussing tonight. Mm -hmm. Clutter amongst your living space depresses you. It oh, does. Tell mm -hmm. me, anybody in chat or anybody listening on the replays on any of the podcasting um, sites, think to yourself, when is the, when do you feel the happiest living in your house? Is it when everything's, when you've just gone on a cleaning tear and everything looks like it's in place and it's it organized, it makes sense, it, it looks good, you're proud of what your living quarters, mm -hmm. or is it when, you know, a couple weeks have gone by or the holidays and, and things are piling up, 
you know, you just had kids open presents, shits everywhere. Oh God, yeah. You don't have, you know, you're you're in a whole different headspace when your living quarters is mucked up, your brain's mucked up. Um, so decluttering is an excellent thing that you can do, uh, non medicinal, just something you can do. For you, it, it, it does in turn wind up falling into self-care mm-hmm. by taking care of your home, your domicile, your living quarters. It, it will affect your mood in such a positive way. You have, I mean, it's not something we realize until we talk about it and say, hey, that's actually fucking true. <laughs> like, I feel so oh, much better when my house is clean mm-hmm. and tidy. It's just hard to achieve that because we like all of our junk. Yeah, that's the thing. Sometimes you have an attachment to some of it. Like, that's the problem I've got. It's about accepting that there's a lot of stuff that I used to do, like the DJing that I did and the teaching and things, that I know that I'm never going to be able to do physically anymore. But it's letting go of that attachment to it and that hope that maybe I will be able to and just thinking no do you know what my body's changed life's changed I'm never going to be able to do that (coughs) and it's a huge mental overhaul of trying to let that go from inside and thinking okay yeah I'm going to have to let go of it I'm going to have to move on from it and it is really true because right now my house is like, whoa, and it stresses me out. And I was the happiest I've ever been when I wasn't in this damn house when we went away. Because it just, like, I didn't have to look at it all the time. And yeah. then I will get so depressed and end up doing nothing with my day, usually. Or going out of the house because I can't bear it. Having come back there not achieved anything and then feeling even worse for it because I'm like well I've not done anything but I've also got terrible chronic fatigue and things which is exacerbated by the crappy weather and just feeling shit generally because of the depression and everything is just impacting on you and it's true what they say tidy mind tidy like house tidy house tidy mind yeah and it's just constantly like, I haven't done this, I haven't done that. And I'm trying to get on top of it. But then it's like, well, where the hell do I start and right then now? it overwhelms you and you get that depression set in. And then what the yeah. hell does it matter? And we'll just keep living like this. And then, yeah, a downward slope ensues. I think um, uh, Rick should bring his empty garbage bags to the UK and come and help me out if he's managed to just get rid of 35 in a week. <laughs> he's the hell out of there, he said. He's uh, That life is behind him now. Yeah. Minimalist living. It sounds great. Out of that, yeah. <clears throat> Let's take a look at some slides before we had a... We were, we were on a, a good tear there and the episode's mm-hmm. going pretty well or as far yeah. as time-wise. Um, let's talk about who's affected by this co-occurring disorders. Yeah, I'm just going to pull those up. Right, okay, so who's affected? 
So it says 7.7 .7 million adults have co-occurring mental and substance use disorders. This doesn't mean that one caused the other and it can be difficult to determine which came first. Of the 20.3 million adults with substance use disorders, 37.9% of those also had a mental illness. And among the 42.1 million adults with a mental illness, 18.2% of those also had a substance disorder or substance use disorder, should I say. So we're not talking about a whole hell of a big number here. I mean, 37.9% uh, on the side of a those lot with the people, substance use yeah. disorder already mm -hmm. having a mental illness. That's, that's, a, that's a decent number. But those with, an, with an, a diagnosed mental illness, we're under a fifth of, of these folks that actually also have substance use disorder or use substance in some way abuse substance in some way mm -hmm. that it, it you know directly correlated to their mental illness um so i 100 percent most likely fall into the 37.9 uh i know my alcoholism was with me since birth i know it's been there um mm -hmm. And it's on top of these other things. It takes it, it takes the front row seat, obviously, mm -hmm. um, because that will destroy me the quickest. Oh yeah, and it's already reared its ugly head several times. Um, now the the depression, anxiety, ADHD, PTSD, etc. that I also deal with is kind of um, supplementing that. Mm -hmm. substance use disorder whereas on the other side of this this these numbers the the mental illness is the one supplementing i mean the the substance use disorder is the one supplementing the mental illness um, mm -hmm. so moving forward what else do we have okay so co-occurring disorders and dual diagnosis so 9 million in the United States have co-occurring disorders. So what is that? Dual diagnosis refers to a mental health issue co-occurring at the same time as an addiction. The cycle of self-destruction, so mental illness to substance abuse, increases the dependence and worsens the mental illness. And then common mental health issues leading to dual diagnosis, major depression, anxiety disorder, bipolar, schizophrenia, personality disorder, and PTSD, the unmet need for dual diagnosis treatment, so 37% treatment for only one disorder, 56% treatment for both conditions, and that's treating both the mental health and addictive disorder simultaneously is the most successful. Absolutely. You have to address both problems. Mm -hmm. um, now, 37% get treatment for one disorder. That, that can fall for a number of reasons. Uh, we can be talking about not realizing there's a second disorder had. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the first one is 
uh, far more apparent and needs treatment. Um, you know, so we, A, we don't know there's two things happening here. B, um, there is uh, two things happening, but one is so severe that we're only focusing on that. Um, uh, 56% getting treatment for both conditions. Uh, that number is great. I feel like uh, we're looking at uh, looking at it. That's above half, right? So that's a W in my book. We're mm -hmm. finding these things. We're getting both of them treated. Um, things are looking good there. But there's the fact of the matter remains is there's still 37% that aren't getting treatment for both. Now, mm -hmm. Also, does that have to do with insurance? Um, are we treating alcohol abuse because AA is free and we're not treating depression because we can't get coverage from our insurance provider? Mm -hmm. um, so that just gets thrown to the back. Maybe we are aware of it and it's just not getting treatment because we don't have the coverage. Mm -hmm. And we're doing AA, so we're doing something, right? Uh there's a number of, of reasons for not being able to treat both um, disorders at the same time. And it'd be like here, I know that we have the NHS here, just to um, refer to those that are UK-based, but the problem with that would be that those are from different departments. So you would go to one department for addiction and another one for depression, it's not necessarily going to be the same person down the same track. Yeah. And that's the problem I had. I had eating disorders and things in one way. I had self-harm in another way. And then and um, my depression in another way. And it was like every single bit of you is tracked differently. It's like when it comes to um, any other physical problem, like when I've had my surgeries and things, um, the problem is that every department is different. Like, I like say the colorectal and the other parts of things that I've had. And it seems that the communication between like doctors and things is pretty scarce, if at all. And that can affect the person's treatment where there's no communication or a lack of communication between medical professionals, which doesn't always get you put in the right way. So the treatment to have both, not, not, not easy. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh, and then let's hit this last um, slide here. It's again, another treatment look at, I wanted to throw mm -hmm. another option up here or another look at it uh-huh okay so who gets treatment there are many effective treatments for both mental and substance abuse disorders a comprehensive treatment approach will address both disorders at the same time not everyone with co-occurring conditions get the treatment they need so this pie chart here shows that 52.5 percent received neither mental health care nor substance use treatment that's a hell of a lot uh, 34.5% received mental, he mental health care only. 9.1% received both mental 
health care and substance use treatment. And 3.9% receive substance use treatment only. That, those numbers are... Yes, yeah, so I, I saw this and I wanted to include it because mm. it, kind of, it kind of looks like it goes against our first pie chart. Um, where yeah. the overwhelming amount. This is uh, more of a look at the overall uh, picture as far as treating the first pie chart we looked at. I, I, I feel like looked more at people getting treatment. Mm -hmm. So th of those polled, we are treating at least one of this, these disorders. Now, we're looking at a pie chart that includes everybody, um, people that aren't getting treatment at all, mm -hmm. uh, and people that are getting treatment for one or the other or both. Um, so that's why I wanted to bring this one in as well, because it shows another look at it. Uh, like I said, the first one, I feel like everybody was receiving treatment that was polled. Mm -hmm. now, and, and the question now becomes... Well, while you're receiving treatment for one, are you getting treatment for the other as well? This one just encompasses everything. Is Are you getting treatment at all? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a huge amount of people that are not. And I would have thought that the substance abuse treatment and the mental health treatment only ones would have been the other way around. Uh, especially when you consider like what you said about insurance and things. And because I would have thought that a substance abuse treatment is potentially easier to diagnose, although it's more of a case of getting the, to the point where they want to, I guess. And Craig says, and the 100% here can only be of those who have actually been diagnosed. Yeah. So, um Yes, a medical diagnosis is important to the process of treatment, mm -hmm. 100%. I mean, especially if it's something like ADHD, you need a doctor's uh, diagnosis, and then you need a doctor's prescription for the ADHD medications because they are controlled dangerous substance, um, just like trying to get painkillers. Mm -hmm. uh, these... These drugs can be, uh, you could be arrested for misusing or selling or carrying illegally without a prescription, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So it's a whole big thing uh, that requires an initial diagnosis. Um, while we... Uh, Look at the the big nut, the big chunk there. Uh, Fifty two point five percent receive neither mental health care nor substance. It goes back to as you were just kind of touching on: Are we aware of the uh, disorders that need treatment? Uh, obviously, I feel like the people polled for this have some kind of diagnosis because mm -hmm. if why would they be polled in a poll for substance use or uh, mental health treatment mm -hmm. without a mental illness you know 
Yeah. Um, that number can kind of be thrown away if you don't have um, uh, a diagnosis then you, you're probably not included in this survey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would hope that, I mean, that, that was from the, um, shit, where was it? That was from the National Institute on Drug Abuse and NIH. So, I mean, yeah. reputable. Reputable source. They, they, uh, they're not going to be polling, just everybody. Yeah. Um, so, it, it brings back to, are we aware of treatment opportunities are they available mm-hmm. whether it be insurance related or not um, maybe it's a, maybe it's a location issue some people live in the mountains uh, mm-hmm. half hour away from any kind of doctor's office and or uh, treatment center yeah um, telehealth has come a long way and that is to COVID-19's credit. We, COVID-19 locked us in our houses, mm-hmm. but it did, it, it did improve on the way we receive telehealth uh, medicine, telemedicine, or, you know, even just yeah. not having to sit for 45 minutes to wait for a haircut anymore. You mm-hmm. can, COVID's not really as prominent now. You can walk out, you can go out in the public, you can go get your haircut. You mm-hmm. don't need the scheduled appointments anymore, but we kind of stuck with that because it was more efficient now. Yeah. I can get on my app and uh, put, check into my haircut place and I can walk in just like I did. We don't have to wait on that shit anymore. So COVID-19, I'm a little bit more advanced there then. COVID-19 did have some good come out of it. We do have we do have we have streamlined um, a lot of things because of it, uh, mm-hmm. and telemedicine or telehealth has been one of those that have seen leaps and bounds uh, progress. But sometimes that shit just isn't enough. It's great for group therapy or AA or mm-hmm. um, you know just a quick doctor's visit for something that doesn't need to be seen, felt, touched. Uh, to be diagnosed, you can do just a quick wellness check or a prescription medication refill um, over the internet now. And that's a good point, what Craig's just mentioned. Counter to that, will a depressed person even bother to seek telehealth? See, I wasn't diagnosed as depressed or having depression because I specifically went to my doctor about my mental health it came secondary to another appointment that had nothing to do with my actual health. So there is still a lot to be said about having a face-to-face appointment. And I don't know what it's like there, but I feel like here especially, they are too used to having over-the-phone appointments where they don't have to have people coming in, that they liked it that much. They don't want you to come in anymore. And I certainly haven't rang up and made appointments or discussions about a lot of things that I maybe should have because Hell like, yeah. what's the point? Because they're not going to see me anyway. I was so, never interested in being seen for my depression ever. Yeah, I didn't yeah, think yeah. it was real. I didn't think it existed. Yeah. I'm a happy go lucky guy. I'm not there's no, there's no way I'm depressed but mm. depression does also 
keep us from accomplishing things. And yeah, that can definitely, I don't know that the depressed, the, the, the standard depressed person would seek help in the beginning. Yeah. You know, I think it definitely weighs a lot on mm-hmm. needing help for something else to bring that depression to light. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's co-occurring disorders. We'll probably touch on this again because we're running out of time tonight. But it is a very good topic, and it does make me want to explore it a little further. Um, so stay tuned on on that. We'll, we'll go ahead and put a, a, a bookmark in it tonight. Uh, we do have to start wrapping up and getting out of here. I want to do some community calendar, uh, and then I got to feed the baby. Um, so... Overall, what I mean, what did we take a look at? What did we learn? Uh, normally, co-occurring disorders are a substance use disorder coupled with a mental health illness. Uh, that's normally the case. Uh, it can be uh, two things working together. I would say depression and anxiety are co-occurring in most people, um, but that's uh, the bulk of the what it is. Um, and then we looked at also, we looked at some treatment options and, and I mean, who's receiving the treatment. Um, so we will definitely touch on this again. Uh, let's get into tonight. We have our good friend Jim in Chicagoland doing Catalyst. Catalyst. There we go. Catalyst with Jim every Wednesday night here, uh, 11 p.m., 10 p.m., um, Somewhere in the 10 to 11 o'clock hour, uh, uh, Ray and I have been joking about it because we try to say it says 10 p.m. on the intro. has its own time frame. Yeah. Uh, but it's a great show, and we'll see everybody there tonight on Jim's Twitch handle. It was up there shortly, or mm-hmm. it was up there a minute ago. Uh, Ray, of course, our good moderator here tonight. Thank you, Ray. Yeah, right. Uh, going down the helplines and whatnot. Um, uh, check his show out. Uh, we got to change this. I keep saying that, but I keep forgetting. It's it's Tuesday nights. Uh, is the new season he's doing of Array of Sunshine? Positive stories, positive vibes. Get on over, give him a follow, and check it out. It's a great show. Eric also is was not here tonight. I don't think I don't know if I saw. No, him. I've not seen him. But uh, he's on. He was a previous guest of ours. He's on every Monday night. Give him a follow and a check out. And then Gemma as well does her own thing over there. She's been mm-hmm. cooking and baking and crafting and arting and all kinds of good stuff on, on all the arty party stuff. Yeah. So give her a follow as well. And then of course for all things bunny, check out our favorite. Bunny mom, Ella. Uh, you can catch her on Twitch streaming live late nights for some music and some uh, uh, ukulele practice and guitar practice. And she'll play you a song. She does very well, has a good following. You can uh, hit up her website at mybunnyvalentine.com. Use the promo code FIREDUDE15 to get 15% off your order. And that is all I've got other than us and yeah. our live QA. 
Yeah, please oh, do send the uh, questions in. I've made it so you can send them in multiple different ways. Um, the form is the best because it's anonymous. Keep it like on topic and appropriate, obviously. But you yeah. can actually send them in via the Instagram stories that I've been posting out. If you're not bothered about being anonymous to me who checks them, obviously I would never, ever say who sent it. Whether you give me your name or not, I'm not going to do that. I will keep it anonymous all the time. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, another way you can send it in. Or just message me on the Discord if you want. The Discord. There it is. Mm -hmm. um, all right. We will be back again next week. We've got an all-new topic. Next week isn't the thing. It's the... Um, Two weeks from now. Women's one next week. Ah, uh, yes, for Women's it's History uh, Women's Month. Women's History Month is the month of April, so we're going to top off our last show of April. I'm sorry, March. What am I thinking? March. <laughs> <You're a month laughs> ahead. Uh, we're going to cap it off with our, uh, our show on uh, women and mental health. Yeah, women's stigmas and mental health. So we're gonna we're gonna lean on Gemma. It's gonna be a Gemma show next next week. Um. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you guys the catalyst later. And uh, thank you for tuning in. As always, check out the replays on our YouTube channel. Join the Discord. We'll see everybody back here next week. Bye now. Bye.